Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for listening in. A little later in the show, we are going to talk to Nikolai Vitti, who is the new superintendent of Detroit Public Schools Community District. We've waited a while to try to get him here on the show. He's going to be here later this uh, this day to talk to us about the district talked about his plans, talk about uh, whether he is optimistic that he can be the person to bring high-quality schools in large numbers back to the city of Detroit. Think about how long we have waited for that to happen. I was a kid here in the 1970s and 80s and can remember my parents struggling with school decisions because the public schools were so bad. Nikolai Vitti, I think, represents one of the most interesting possibilities for something better that we have had in a long time. So you're going to want to listen to that. And, of course, you're going to want to call and ask him your questions at 313-577-1019. I'm sure he will be happy to talk with our listeners about their ideas. But up front, uh, Pistons owner Tom Gore spends a lot of money. For instance, next year he's going to pay Pistons star Andre Drummond around $24 million. But he doesn't just spend money on the team. He also recently spent $100 million on a 30,000-square-foot home in the hills of Los Angeles. So, why does Tom Gores then need $34 million in tax subsidies to help sweeten the deal to move the Pistons to downtown Detroit? That seems like a little bit of money in Gores's life, but it would make a huge difference if Detroit used those tax dollars, for instance, to help shore up public education or to help shore up demolition in the city. Think of all the things that go on in the neighborhoods that we could use $34 million to do. Bill Shea recently wrote about this conundrum for Crane's Detroit business and really just put the question out there. Why do the Pistons need this money? He's joining us now to talk about that story and the issue generally of uh, sports subsidies, uh, tax dollars being used for sports subsidies. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. What do you think about the use of this tax money uh, to help bring the Pistons downtown? And do you think someone like Tom Gores does really need it? Uh, is this the, the way we have to sell our city to uh, prospective businesses by giving them subsidies? Is that something we think might change as Detroit gets more stable and popular and the economy here looks different? Or is this just something we've got to do right now as sort of a jumpstart to all of those things? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Bill, I, I, I really enjoyed this article. And like like I said, I think I enjoyed the headline the most. <laughs> does he need it? Why does he need it? And and I thought your answer to it in the text of the of the article was really, really uh, pointed and, and correct. Really, they get this money because uh, cities are willing to pay it. Uh, and it's not just Detroit that <clears throat> that falls into that category. Cities across the country are willing to say to sports teams owners, all right, uh, you're going to build the stadium. We're going to build this new stadium for you. Basically, 
what do you want from us? Uh, there isn't a whole lot of, of pushback there. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And it's been going on for, for decades now. Um, these team owners, uh, you know, they're billionaires and they've, they've been in that social, that economic strata for a long time now. They don't technically need the money. There may be some folks out there who are really overly leveraged, but they're very few and they have access to cheap cash either through lenders yeah. or for the, through the leagues themselves. They all have, you know, uh, various funds available for, for facilities. Um, but they want the money more than they need the money and they know <laughs> they can get it. Um, cities and counties and, and states around the country have been willing to, to provide these subsidies since really the 1950s is when it began. Up until the 50s, stadiums and arenas were, were privately built like mm -hmm. Olympia. Um, there, there was only a handful of cases before that where government built stadiums and they were built for Olympic efforts. Like in Cleveland, old Cleveland Municipal Stadium was built because they wanted the 36 Olympics. Right. Um, but other than that, all these stadiums and, and arenas and stuff were, were privately or you know, were privately funded. By the 50s, that began to shift. Um, and you still find cases every now and then now where a stadia is privately funded. Um, you know, Steve Ballmer out mm -hmm. in L.A. said, yeah, he's he's going to build the, the Clippers a totally privately funded arena. And I'm sure that will be a billion dollar multi-use sure. crown jewel for the NBA. So it can be done, but really it comes back to these guys know they can get the money from the public and yeah. there's very little, I mean, there's some outcry for sure, but it's usually symbolic. The voices of people who don't have much power. Yeah. And, and why is it that, that city leaders feel powerless in this equation? So uh, if we go back to the late eighties, early nineties in Detroit, uh, when the tigers were still playing in tiger stadium, what I remember being the issue was that they said, you know, if you're if you're not going to help us with a new stadium, if you're not going to build something for us, we might leave. We might take the Tigers. They always threatened to go to Tampa. I think was the place that uh, that they yeah, thought they could yeah. they could go. Of course, now Tampa has its own team, so that threat doesn't really hold. But it also seems as though teams don't even make that threat anymore. I mean, the Pistons aren't saying, for instance, uh, if you don't help us do this. We might become. We might go back to Fort Wayne, which is where <laughs> they came from, or, or we might go to St. Louis or Cincinnati or someplace else that doesn't have a basketball team. So, so what then is the is the incentive or the impetus for government officials to say, "I'll give you this money" when there is no real threat on the other side? Yeah, I, I think there's there's two answers to that. In the in the eighties and nineties, there was the threat of relocation, um, and the teams did move. Um, you Some know, people did, right? The, yeah. the Cleveland Browns left Balt for Baltimore, and that they left behind a full stadium mm -hmm. um, in, a, in a very weird, bizarre situation. There, uh, the, the Oilers left Houston, um, so there were cases uh, where it did happen. But I think it comes down to the case of politicians. They they took basket weaving, maybe instead of economics in college. That um, they don't, you know, everybody. There's all there's. <laughs> literally millions of pages of, of research that show the bang for the buck on public subsidies is is muted at best um, or it, you're going to run a loss at worst. And there's mm -hmm. many examples like the Cincinnati Bengals Stadium where it's just been a financial disaster for 
the public. They yeah. had to, they had to sell a hospital to meet the debt payments on the, on that statement stadium. Um, but a lot of it's a civic pride thing too. You know, you all, owners are always talking about, oh, these are public institutions. These teams, no, they're not. They're private businesses. Yeah. But the politicians buy into that. They they don't buy into. They don't read the economic reports. And and our teams pay for their own economists to say this will give us full employment and we'll all be <laughs> farting through silk and you know, that sort of thing with these with these stadium deals. But really, um, the the evidence is out there. Now that said. Every stadium deal is different, and there are cases where, you know, if you look at the case of Little Caesars Arena, uh-huh. there aren't a lot of examples of where a downtown had a big gaping hole for decades, and all of a sudden, you, you're not just, you know, a lot of these economic reports are about the stadiums themselves. Yes. The trend in in the last few years, or the last decade or so, is building these sprawling multi-use concepts of we'll build the restaurants and businesses and office space and apartments and condos. You know, academia hasn't had the chance yet. We need 20 years of research to see if it's is it working in Columbus? Will it work in Detroit? And I think uh, Edmonton um, has has a very similar project yeah. to, to Little Caesars Arena. Um, so in fairness, will, will that create all of these economic benefits? We're going to have to take some time and see, but you know, the evidence currently out there shows eh, it's not so good for the public. Sure. Sure. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Bill Shea. He is the enterprise editor, writes on the business of sports for Crane's Detroit Business. We're talking about a recent article he wrote about why the city is willing to give Tom Gores, the owner of the Pistons, $34 million in public subsidies as part of the deal to bring his Detroit Pistons from Auburn Hills back into the city of Detroit, Tom Gores, who has no problem spending $100 million of his own money on a 30,000-square-foot home in Los Angeles. Uh, he pays some of the stars of the Pistons tens of millions of dollars. Andre Drummond will make about $24 million uh, next year. Does he really need, then, uh, this $34 million uh, in tax subsidies? And should we be thinking about that money Going to other things that we need to do here in the city of Detroit. Think of the long, long list of priorities we have to make this city work better for the people who live here. I would think the Pistons be pretty low on that list, uh, but they're first in line for this kind of money while lots of other things go wanting. If you want to join the conversation, tell us what you think about uh, this subsidy, these kinds of subsidies for sports teams. Uh, Give us a call, 313 577 1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Todd on Twitter says, do they need the money? Not from taxpayers. They don't. It's fiscally irresponsible of city leaders. Uh, Let's go to Tim in Bagley. Tim. Welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I can't help but agree with Mr. Shea. He's really made all the points crystal clear. Um, many of the politicians love to go along with any type of proposal because it does seeming, seemingly sound as though, oh, yes, we're going to bring some economic vitality back to the city. We're going to bring jobs. All of that is good. No one is discounting the crown jewel effect that the uh, stadium is going to have. But it also 
pretends to be a carrot before the horse. Right. If you are a multi-billionaire and you're going to bring these X, Y, and Z components down to a major city, fine, continue to do so. But continue to do it with your own money and or get it from any other source because of, as Mr. Shea has written, so did the Metro Times uh, a while ago when they were talking about the very first, um, I guess, finances coming towards the uh, Red Wing Stadium, as sure. one of your producers indicated to me, it might have been directed for DPS as opposed to DPSCD. Doesn't matter which Detroit public school institution uh, the dollars are coming from. Those dollars are slated for educational purposes only and absolutely not for the Red Wings, the Pistons, or any other public uh, institution that's going to be built in the city. And I think that's an illegality, as it was indicated, or at least... Um, uh, yeah, there was a lawsuit that, uh, Metro about Times that. article. Yeah, uh, Tim, thank you very much uh, for the call and the comments. I want to give Bill Shea a, a chance to respond, though, to the details there about uh, how this works. And, and, and I think, to be fair, there is a lot of confusion about how this money will end up uh, supporting this project. People like Tim say, look, it's coming from the schools coming from the old school district instead of the new school district, but that's still money that should go uh, toward the schools. Uh, talk about talk about how that how that actually works. Well, <laughs> that opens up the Pandora's box Pretty complicated, of, right? of tax increment yeah. financing, yeah. TIF districts. And and that really kind of is the ultimate question here. Um, you know, Detroit has been capturing these taxes. Well, the, it's the DDA, the Downtown Development Authority, has been capturing these taxes in the, the Central Business District since the late 70s. And they've built other things like the Millinder Center um, was was somewhat financed with captured taxes downtown, but nobody really cared at the time. Um, does Detroit need to continue to have a TIF? That's mm-hmm. a, a, a different but related conversation. Um, but basically, under the, the, the DDA rules, they're authorized by the state to capture all of these various taxes downtown. Um, some, not, not all of them go to every single project, but yeah. they, they figure out which taxes they want to capture. And it's off the new value. Like in this zone, if I build an apartment building, the, the, the tax value what of that building, what, what you might get yeah. is captured by the DDA. And legally – the money captured can't be used in that district for anything else but those projects. That's state law. And and if you don't want money going to a new arena or some other private development, you have to change the law. you got to go to Lansing. Yeah, it's, it, and it's not like you could issue these bonds and they're going to pay for DPS or new fire trucks. Those bonds weren't ever going to be issued for those things. Yeah. Um, this money has to go legally to the projects for which – they were issued. Yeah. So it's it's a really complex, and I still have my hard time wrapping my head around <laughs> the complexities of this finance, right. but yeah, it's it's really complicated. And it's money that would be generated really far down the road. I mean, the, the, the yes. money that we're talking about in this instance, I believe, is for 2030 or 2040? We're into the, the 2040s, in the and, it's, 2040s. and it gets extended now with the, the Pistons add-on. Yeah. Uh, again, Tim, thanks very much for the call and the questions. And uh, 313-577-1019 is the number. On the phones, Andrew and Taylor, you're up next. Welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Hey, how are you? Good. I just want to know in our household, we really appreciate your writing and uh, your program. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. 
I wanted to call in this morning because I understand, you know, I understand what you guys are saying about the public financing and everything. But I just reminded, wanted to remind people, um, you know, because I'm familiar with Mr. Gores. I work for the family that, you know, he's put his money, you know, where his mouth is for quite a while now. He's pitched into with several others to buy, you know, ambulances and police cars for the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's partnered up with the Pistons Foundation, you know, put a lot of money into the city's playgrounds and, and things like that, as well as ponied up some money for the, you know, problem in Flint and put got some of his partners involved. So sure. I understand, you know, the conversation, but also, you know, think we should, you know, Pay attention to the fact that uh, he cares about the city. Detroit. Yeah, I, I think that's a totally fair point, Andrew. This is not. Uh, I, I think this is not a, a a person who deserves to be demonized or or heavily criticized for the for the overall role he plays uh, in this community. And as you point out, he's done a lot of things. He's doing a lot of things to help make Detroit and Southeast Michigan better. I think, though, that it's okay to acknowledge those things but then still ask the question about about these kinds of public subsidies which are a, a very different animal than the things that he's doing otherwise number one uh, you know he is volunteering to do those things uh, and that's his choice voters don't have as much choice in the decision to give him uh, this kind of subsidy at least not directly uh, because uh, it's a state law that does it, but 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 I really do appreciate uh, you calling and making that point. I I am a fan of Tom Gore's as well, and the things that he's doing around town. I had a conversation a week and a half ago with Arn Tellum, who works for uh, the Pistons and is is engineering this deal. You can't talk to them and not come away believing that they believe in the city and that they're trying to help. It's a question of how much help they get to do it. Uh, one of the things that Arntellum pointed out was the, the the practice facility and the sports medicine facility they're going to build in New Center, uh, which is, you know, that's a totally separate project, but it will have its own effects uh, on, on, on what we do. And it seems to me that has potentially more effect on the city and the neighborhood that it's going in than the stadium itself. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and that's they're you know they're getting a brownfield tax break for that, for that and, which and, anybody and think, would get. Yeah, right. and, I, and I think that's a, a very fair type of public subsidy. You know, that when you have damaged land, it is a public good to see that that land. What you know, if it was mercury dumped there a hundred years ago by some old car maker or something, there's a there is a legitimate you know public good there and sure. seeing that that clean up and develop. I I really don't have any problem with brown brownfields. At all that those are generally in the public's interest yeah. to happen. It's a different. It's a different yeah. animal. Yeah. Andrew, again, thanks very much for the call. Uh, Jim in Detroit, you're up next. Hello. Hey, Jim. Yes, um, I, I I live uh, over by Belle Isle uh-huh. and uh, frequently have to go uh, traffic uh, trafficking towards the uh, west. And if there's a game or two or, God forbid, three all at the same time, you've got uh, traffic gridlock. And um, getting around uh, is, is just extraordinarily difficult. And um, uh, we need another uh, team in the downtown uh, area like we need another hole in the head, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Jim. I, I go back and forth about that. So I live downtown as well, and I live right downtown near 
the stadiums and I see the the traffic madness that unfolds not just around games but also around you know any event uh, concerts at Ford Field for instance uh, and it is different it's forcing us to think differently about the way we get around in the city and I'm not sure that we have thought enough about traffic patterns and and street uh, street layout and things like that 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 might alleviate those things at the same time I think if you lived in any other city uh, and lived in the downtown area, you would deal with the same kinds of things. I mean, if you think of other major cities, it's not easy to get around those downtowns in a car. Part of our problem may be that we're just too stuck with the idea that we all should be able to drive everywhere all the time and get there quickly, um, and that this level of density in a downtown area maybe maybe requires a little more use of public transportation. We're a long way from being able to do that, but but the, it's pretty frequent that I think that we are uh, that we're a little spoiled here in terms of in terms of downtown traffic. Uh, the, Bill Shea, you have lived in some other cities. You're from Cleveland. Uh, talk about talk about they, they've built stadiums down there. They have basketball and baseball and football in downtown Cleveland. Does that cause Unmanageable traffic problems? Um, it depends on what you consider unmanageable. I think a lot of our patience is very city by city for what you're used to. Yeah. You know, when I, I was in Bangkok a few years ago and the traffic lights are two and three minutes long. <laughs> and I was right? imagining how many how many people would just explode in their right. cars back here. <laughs> just run the um, lights. Including right? me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, a, a lot of these cities, you know, Chicago and, and LA and New York with all of their teams, you, you can jump on downtown. the subway yeah. and or, you know, the 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 rail line and get to wherever you parked or, or to your home. We don't have that here. Maybe in the next few decades or lifetimes, we will, and that will certainly alleviate some of the the problem. But yeah, I mean, it's I work downtown. I used to live downtown, and it's you know when the Tigers are playing those Thursday afternoon games, I know yeah. I have to leave the by work yeah, by no. four. Other otherwise, seventy five is a parking. All order. of a sudden, you have to start planning for traffic, which yeah. at least in my lifetime, most of my adult lifetime here in Detroit, we we haven't had to do that. We have not had the density in the downtown that we did before. All right, Corey, on the North End, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning, guys. Hey, how are you? Good. Um, was it, it was, what was it, six days after we filed for bankruptcy is when the Little Caesars Arena got the the approval for the tax subsidies? Yeah, um, it was some, I mean, there was some, there was some suspicious timing there for sure. Yeah, that, it was, it was pretty days. weird. Um, if, if we start looking at, too, the, the money that they said that we were going to be generating back, um, something like 210 million dollars annually in economic um stimulant it it's it's hard to prove they didn't you know even provide a formula for that so you know we've already dished out 60 percent of the arena project um curious as to like how we're going to hold these you know these entities responsible for the actual um returning of revenue back to the community yeah i i, I don't know how that all i don't know how that all Works, uh, and I'm glad you called and and asked that uh, that question, Corey. Talk about uh, again this subsidy and the way that it's supposed to the way that it's supposed to help us. If you think about the subsidy for the arena itself, it's quite large. I mean, uh, even by comparison to other cities and the stadium deals that they've had, what do we what do we think that we're going to get back? The Illages would say, I think 
that all of the things that they're doing, particularly in that district, are part and parcel of what we're getting back. They're investing, I think it's a billion and a half to two billion dollars mm-hmm. of their own sure. money uh, in this. Is that uh, is that the way we ought to think about it? Well, it's one of those things that's going to take a long time for us to to sort of feel out and realize what is the economic benefit. Are there a net increase in jobs from going from two arenas to one? Um, but that new facility will have a lot built around it they are, that they are building now. I mean, they're, they, are, they will have businesses around it, and the idea is that will attract outside investment to create more businesses around that. And that and that does happen. But, you know, economists will say, well, that's the substitution effect. They're building it there instead of Ann Arbor or Warren or right. Plymouth or somewhere. Um, or maybe not at all. And that's, you know, you, you really want the new dollars that were not going to be spent or created elsewhere. And, this, and the same with, with jobs. And, and it takes a long time to figure out if that will happen, especially because these new arena village concepts are, are there's just not a whole lot of history of them, but I think one of you know one of the things Detroit and and the DDA were willing to give away is you know all of the revenue from the new arena will be kept by Olympia. Right at Joe Lewis, you know we got forever. You got a cut of the tickets and right. suites and concessions, um, and then a few years ago they switched to a straight million dollar a year. Um, rental payment basically and the city was willing and the dda were willing to say well just you can have it all right um i was a little surprised by that um i thought that would be an easy way to get an an immediate return and you know even if it's only a million bucks a year that you got back detroit can use a million bucks a year we could put that to very good um, use yeah so but everybody involved all up and down the process was was willing to, to go along with this deal. And and like you said, you know, the, the Illiches are spending well over a billion dollars of their own money. Tom yeah. Gores is spending all sorts of money and, you know, all, all the credit in the world to them for that. But they are enormous. These are some of the richest people in the history of the human race. Yes. And I, I asked the question, why do you need this money? Why yeah. do you need the money? And yeah. I never get an answer. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Cindy in Belleville. Cindy, welcome <laughs> to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I want to point out that the, these stadiums, they get so many public subsidies, yet the taxpayers in the city of Detroit, for example, that subsidize these things can't afford to attend games. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, the ticket prices are another another big issue. I mean, I imagine that we're going to see a, a spike in in NBA ticket prices when they go downtown, and uh, I, I don't imagine that... The Red Wings tickets are going to be cheaper in Little Caesars Arena than they were in Joe Louis. But again, that that points out the sort of incongruity here that that uh, that I think you can't ignore that that this is a poor city with with people who struggle just to keep the lights and the water running in their in their house uh, in in many cases, and they're paying to help this guy build a stadium. Cindy, thanks very much for uh, for that comment. Tom in Birmingham, you're up next. Hello. Hey, Tom. Hey, I. you know, I think this is an excellent conversation. I wish this conversation could somehow have happened or get more traction, you know, a decade or 15 years ago. <laughs> but um, my point is that I, I feel like any of the public funding 
that we do towards professional sports teams, whether it be in Detroit or I even think of NCAA teams like U of M, that's all for-profit, you know, and it is a form of colonialization as far as I'm concerned. And so, I think, so expand on that idea. What do you mean by that? Well, I think when you look at the promise of a city like Detroit and what it has been uh-huh. compared to what has been happening in this most recent rejuvenation, the failure of, like, Emperor in Oakland County, I can't remember his name, um, failing to be involved in a regional development, the white land grab throughout the city, the building of these sports complexes. It is, could be wonderful. I love the feeling of so much new things going on in Detroit. However, it is Losing the people who have yeah. been in the city and the communities that have been in the city and the development is not going to have housing for everyone. It's going to have housing for a very few. And the people who are displaced are the people who can't afford to, to then live there else. and yeah. will be pushed out to then yeah. the suburbs. And Yeah, Tom, the, I think that's a I, – I, I'm glad I asked you to – Expand on that because I think you're making a really important point, and it is this tension between uh, development that we that we want and that we can celebrate in places like downtown, and the idea that that we still need attention on these vast stretches of the city where people live really differently than those of us who live uh, in downtown or midtown. So again, thanks very much for the call and the comments. All right, Bill Shea, enterprise editor, who writes. The business of sports for Queens, Detroit business, as always. Thanks for joining us on Detroit Today. Always happy to be here. All right. Up next, we're going to talk to the new superintendent of Detroit Public Schools. You're going to want to stay on the lines for that. We'll be right back on Detroit Today.